Welcome to Crime on Crime Time. I'm your host, Kinsey Huseman, and I'm here with my two best friends. Howdy, y'all. It's Aaron and Malik. How we just, how we doing today? I think that was probably the first time I ever said my government name on here, and I I I, I did like it. <laughs> now everyone's gonna know where they can find you. Oh no, not my government name. Oh no. But back to your question. It's all right. School started up again, so now I got to deal with all these bad college kids, man. These hooligans. Mm-hmm. Besides I, that, not much. Yeah, I mean, I I finally had a weekend where I didn't do anything, and it was fabulous. It it still feels weird not being in school. Like, does it? I see. Oh yeah, like I like I see all these kids like doing homework and all this. Oh, that reminds me, I gotta do my homework. But and you then, don't. Yeah, I don't. So I'm still trying to find a another hobby to pick up. Well, listen, I was in the same situation not not too long ago where I was like, I need a hobby, especially when Dalton moved all of his stuff over when we moved in together and so he had all of his gaming stuff and that's what he did which is fine but i was like okay well now i need i need something i can do while you do that my own hobby and so i picked the hobby podcasting which is basically just still school because i just have to do research and write (laughs) papers every week um so you can do something like that if you're missing homework because sometimes it just feels like i have homework that i need to be doing I thought about mm. taking like a like a cooking class because uh, people don't know I can't cook. I cook the same stuff every single week. That's the only no. That's the only thing I know how to. Hey, cook. you're not as bad as a, a certain friend that we know who can't even make like ramen noodles. Like he burned that shit. I won't name drop. All right, Molly. What's this question of yours? All right, the question is, what's your Celebrity crush. You get three of them. Your top three. Okay. So, Andrew Garfield. I have a distinct type when it comes to celebrity crushes. It's like Andrew Garfield, Robert Pattinson, and then, like, I don't know, another tall, lanky, really pale white guy that plays a lot of, like... I was like, why are they just, like, standard, <laughs> basic-looking... Yeah. yeah, they are. I don't know. I told you I have a really specific type. You can throw in Jesse Eisenberg in there. Sometimes that... I have a crush on him. He was in the social network. He was he's playing Mark Zuckerberg in the social network. He was oh, in the Justice League movie. He played Lex. Oh, okay. Tom Holland's cutie. I mean, any, but mostly like Robert Pattinson and Andrew Garfield, and they look identical almost. Tom Holland, I, I understand. That's a good-looking man, little man. I understand that. It makes sense. But the other two, I never, I never got girls like things about them, especially Robert Pattinson. I never understood it. I don't think it's so much. I think it's almost his like dark personalities kind of sexy like if you watch him and remember me mm, i loved him and remember me like twilight 
yeah, Batman. I thought he was that was really sexy. Twilight, uh, no, but like, remember me and some of these other like he was in Water for Elephants, sexy. Water for Elephants. Yeah, it was like with Reese Witherspoon, I think. Hmm. All right, Malik, you're next. Oh, I'm next. Yeah. Mm. It's hard, man. It's hard because I've had a lot of celebrity crushes since I was like a kid. <laughs> Sophia Vergara, that's one. If y'all know okay. who that is. So, yeah, yeah. Is, young one. Um, is there an old one? She's old now. Oh, so like yeah. her when she was young. Her young <laughs> now? It don't matter. Yeah, I guess either one don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter. Uh, the singer Sierra. Mm. Okay. You want Russell Wilson's girl? Hey, I, I liked her before Russell Wilson even knew. That's true. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's my last one. Uh, what's that girl's name? Oh, Eva Mendez. Oh, okay. You like too them fast, too Latino women. Mm-hmm. Even though yeah, he is dating a, even though he's dating a Caucasian woman. Hey, our crushes are not the people we date. I wouldn't yeah. say Dalton is like Robert Pattinson or Andrew Garfield. So you're saying he's ugly? I'm not oh, saying he's ugly. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, now he kind of looks like them because he got a haircut. Did y'all know he got a haircut? Yeah. Uh, I noticed that when you posted some picture, I forgot. Okay, so it completely changed the way he looks as a person. Not in a bad way. I mean, it looks still looks he still looks really good. But there's this guy at our work, this director, who we always sit at the same table at lunch. And apparently he walks by all the time. This man thought I was cheating on Dalton because he didn't know he got a haircut. And he looked so different that he thought I was eating with a different man. And he was prepared to tell until he saw that's Dalton. Good, that's a good man. Yeah, until he's old. All right, Ken, you can cut this out or not. Do you like Dalton with the long hair or the short hair? You got to see both. Yeah, the problem is that he changes so much with a haircut. I kind of like the short hair. I think it looks really good. Hey, he's trying to keep you on your toes. He's trying to keep you on your toes. Can't blame the man. Hey, I don't (laughs) mind it. It's like I get a whole new boyfriend whenever he decides these things. (laughs) Wait a minute, that doesn't yeah. sound good. <laughs> I'm tired of you. <laughs> I'm tired. Can you grow your hair out long? I want long hair, Dalton. Now. Is it my turn? Yeah, yeah. it's your turn. But we all know all right. that you have plenty, because I feel like we hear about your celebrity crushes the most on this podcast. Oh, who's number two? I just had it in my mind. Okay, number one, Shakira. Shakira has... Ooh. She, Her hips don't my, lie. She's been one of my favorites since I was a kid. Those hips don't she, lie. I'm second one, she was probably my first celebrity crush ever. Miss Jennifer Lopez. She was. So when they did the Super Bowl show, show Super Bowl halftime show together, oh, you were like in heaven. That was probably my best life. That's that was my best year of my life, right there. <laughs> Also, I don't. I, I think I peaked. Like, there's nothing else I can look for now. <laughs> and obviously, number three, 
my wifey, Miss Kelsey Plum. And she is a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've been doing oh, strong for about five, six years. What? I have to throw in for, I guess, honorable mention because I loved her for so long, Alicia Keys. See, I was going to throw in Jennifer Anderson. I was like, ugh, but I, I, can't, I can't do it to the wifey. I feel you like Malik kind of has a type in the way I have a type. I feel like all those <laughs> women have similarities. What are you talking about? Your celebrity cut? It's not a bad thing. You just have a well, celebrity like crush type. It's not They're a bad thing. They're not all different. Yes. There was two Mexican women and then two <laughs> black women. They all look different. They all look different, but I feel like they all give out off the same vibe. Just like a cool, sultry, like a calm, sexy. Okay, sure. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they don't all look like, but I think they all give off the same vibe. I love all women. It don't matter. Big, small, light, dark, middle. It don't matter. I love them all. What were you saying, Malik? She's the only celebrity I ever put on my screen. Alicia Keys? Mm-hmm. She was a screensaver for a little bit. Kelsey Plum's the only one I put on my screen. I've never done that. I'm just going to say that right now. I've never put a you celebrity. Had a po- you, had, you, you had to have a poster or something, Kenz. No, my mom wouldn't let me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> you, know, you know whose house was pretty decorated? Whose? The character in the episode. I thought he had a great house in the beginning of the episode. So, Kins, let's describe <laughs> it to them and let's talk about the episode. The house that we barely saw, that house. Hey, I thought he had a nice kitchen. <laughs> I did so much better segueing last week. Hey, I don't know. You're on segways, Kins. I don't know. You don't find. You can have them. I quit. No, no, I can't. No, 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 yours no, is green. No, it's green. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Kick rocks. I like creativity. <laughs> Keep it up. No, no. It will get better as time goes on. Only up no. from here. No. Are you raising your hand or are you stretching? I was stretching. Okay. So this week we watched NCIS Season 12, Episode 13. We build, we fight. Right off the bat, I think he killed someone bloody knuckles blood on his face i was like well you know who our killer is but let me tell you this is only the the only thing i got wrong in all of my predictions in this episode i got all of my other predictions right just putting that on the record okay sure you want a cookie or something i (laughs) i do okay i'm getting really good at this Then he called Vince, and I said, dear Vince, I killed someone. When he was like, he called him, he's like, Vince, you gotta call me. I was like, yeah, Vince, you gotta call me because I killed someone. So I was very, I I was very confident in that. And I stand corrected. I would say it's whoever had, whoever he beat up, but I'm afraid to be wrong again. So obviously the guy in the beginning with the bloody knuckles and then calling Vince, he was the victim. He was gunned down outside of his home. And then I tried to make the prediction that it was the guy he beat up, but like 
I was afraid I'm I was afraid to be wrong. But I was kind of right, I guess. I mean, it never said why he had bloody knuckles, but I I assume I thought they said it was cuz he punched the wall. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, my bad. Okay. So it was not the wall that that shot him, to clarify. <laughs> no, the wall, the wall did not see. Not the killer. Who has a baby shower at work? Also, I think alcohol and a hundred dollar gift card, one hundred dollars is a good gift. Yeah, that, they were just bitching the bitch. I thought that was a perfectly fine gift. I get that that's yeah. not your typical baby shower gift because usually you buy something for the actual baby. Well, but like, if I was a parent, I'd be like, shit, I'm gonna spend this hundred bucks on my baby, and thanks for the alcohol because I'm gonna need this after I push it out, and then I'm I'm gonna need a drink. Well, also like. I've never given, I've been to about three, four baby showers. I've never given clothes. Because you never know how big the kid's going to be. Well, that's fine, but you probably buy something for the kid. Yeah, I'll buy, like, bottles or some shit like that. That's what I'm saying. Like, typically, you, like, buy something for the kid. Toys, clothes, diapers, anything for the kid. You don't typically give a bottle of alcohol. But I don't think it's horrible. I don't. But also, I've never had a baby, so maybe my thoughts will change. I'll buy you a bottle of alcohol for when you have your first kid. But you have to include the $100. Huh? Mm. Uh, 50 Can we give it to you over time? What? <laughs> I'll, I'll give, give you, you a couple dollars. I'll give you $1 for 100 days. Is that better? <laughs> I mean, sure. It's the same thing. Uh-huh. Victim is Navy Lieutenant Eric Kutzler. I don't think Tony is even a lovable idiot. He's just an idiot. The more I watch NCIS, the more I'm like, why is this character so beloved? Like, he just annoys me. Which one He's is that? He's the, the dude the that's on the computer, right? He, he, Denozo. Like the main... Oh, Tony. okay. Yeah. Tony Denozo, the one that we call the racist in one of the episodes. I'm going to be oh, honest. He was pushing I the don't... envelope. I don't know any of their uh, their characters' name. I just know the main character. What is his name? Jeffro Gibbs. Jeffro G- Gibbs. Yeah. And then there's there's McGee, who was the one that like had the crazy neighbor that he liked. That was crazy. Do y'all remember that episode? I think so. Doesn't ring the bell. Oh come on, man! We haven't watched that many of these. Gross. I got a bad memory. Okay. Anyways, I don't like I I have yet to find an episode of NCIS where I like Donozo. So I'm I'm still holding out. I know that a lot of people like him. This might be a hot opinion, might lose some listeners, but I'm willing to do it to go out on the line to say my true feelings, okay? To be who I really am. We're getting canceled. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the victim's knuckles are bloody from punching the door. Look at that. I think this police officer is Vince, and he knew the victim. Boom! My first correct prediction. Got it. Oh, he's more... He more than knows the victims. They're married. So the police officer, Vince, who was the first on scene, because he's married to the victim. Who is Hollis... And why is there tension? 
I don't I don't really know. There was a lot of tension between them. I don't know what's really going on. I guess they used to have a thing. If that's what I was kind of putting together. I guess they used yeah, to have a thing, this and that. But I I just assume that uh, that Gibbs never had a thing. I don't know. In my limited yeah. NCIS knowledge, I just assumed he never dated. But maybe but, I was wrong because Diane died, and I don't. That seemed to be tearing him up, and I don't know who that is. Yeah, but I only knew who the actress played Hollis is because she's the mom in Arrow. That's the only reason. I okay, know. I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, she's the mom in Arrow. I'm not gonna lie. I once I heard her name was Hollis, and that was her first name. I fell in love with that name for a future child. But then I was like, man, I know Will Hollis. Is that going to be weird? <laughs> I'm still debating. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still debating that. So, Will, if you're listening, just, like, reach out and let me know if you're okay with me naming maybe my future baby Hollis. <laughs> he's not going to talk to you. He's no, he's not. <laughs> because he's gay? Oh, no, for an honor. Jeez. Oh, I thought you meant because. Oh, I thought you meant Will. Yeah, I was no. Like, Wait, what? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm I'm going back to my show notes. Okay, oh. she was like, "Well, us at the defense department are investigating him." I was like, "Oh, because he's gay? No, it's for a medal of honor. He's did some good work out there." And then I said, "Who is Diane?" I don't know, but. To be honest, he didn't look that upset about about it. He's just not like he cried. I don't know. He didn't seem any different to me than the other episodes. And everyone's like, he's on high alert. Eric jumped on a grenade and saved two of his fellow soldiers. And that's why he was getting a Medal of Honor. He would have been the first openly gay soldier to receive the Medal of Honor. So was he killed because he's gay? Oh, he seems like a sweet, sweet dad already. That man. The one that was having the baby. Oh, well, no, oh, jumping around. Yeah. yeah. He, he seemed like he was going to be a great dad. Yeah, he seemed like he needed to be a, a girl dad. He was doing a little too much. Yeah, his his son was going to be a nerd. Just wait until y'all have your first child, and then you will be the same way. Okay, nah, I'll be cool, far, man. Because I actually need to talk to a girl to get that going. <laughs> you actually don't? You just need to sleep with her. Oh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to put her. that I wasn't gonna put that in the podcast, but... Yeah, you just got to sleep with her and don't pull out. Surprise I mean, for yeah. the Oh, oh, y'all know parents listen to this podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're they're just, they're thinking what we're just saying, okay? Mr. and Mrs. Huseman, we're sorry, all right? I didn't think Ken's was going to go this far. Malik took it farther. I just said you had to sleep with her. Malik detailed the process. They're like, are they talking about unprotected sex? Are they enforcing it? I'm just saying that A-Rod is, it's a fact that A-Rod is wrong that he has to talk to a girl to be able to have a child. That, that's not factual. That's not how it works. Then I said, what's, what's with this background music? Okay, at one point, 
Gibbs walked into like Abby's lab when Abby and Mickey were in there, and this there's this really intense Fast and Furious type music where it was like go go go, except they were not go going. It was the music was not matching the actions on the screen, mm-hmm. and I was like terrible choice, terrible choice. The husband waited 20 minutes to call the police, which tells you even in gay relationships, quote the husband did it. Trope still stands. But I was wrong again. Do y'all do y'all know what I'm talking about? How they're always like, when a woman dies, it's like it's the husband. Oh, Most I didn't know. I didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking about now. Yeah. So in the true crime community, there's always that thing that's like, the wife dies, it's probably the husband, and most of the time it is the husband. And then I was, they thought it was Vince, the husband. And I said, well, even in gay relationships, it's still the husband. Except it's not. I, w- I was wrong. I, I made an assumption too early again. Vince was also a Marine and was asked to leave when his superiors found out he was gay. Vince found a bag of syringes and vials in the house, and that's why he took a while to call 911. Because he didn't want, like, people to think that Eric was, like, on drugs and then his Medal of Honor would get stripped from him. Yeah, didn't want to tarnish his name. Which is very sweet. It's so sweet. The drugs were morphine mixed with fentanyl. And Eric was cleaning, so... was And Eric was clean, so was he dealing? Okay, I thought fentanyl was like a new thing. But this episode had to come out like... Eight years ago. I'm pretty sure fentanyl's been out for a while, Ken. It's been around for a minute. Well, I just heard about it recently, thanks to Euphoria. Again, who is Diane? No one's explaining who Diane is. Dirty Diane. Oh. Oh, gross. Why did you have to show pictures? They showed his body when he jumped on that grenade, and I was like, not necessary. We all knew. Wow, he had to be in immense pain without medication. This man was strong, but I can't blame him for not wanting to get on the pain medication because it's just so easy to get hooked to those. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. I get why he didn't want to do it. But damn, that's I I could only imagine how much it hurts. I bet especially his arm probably hurts like a bitch all the time. Yeah, I could. I mean, your whole body, like your jaw, wired shut. Mm, okay. What are you looking at? I looked at who Diane was. So apparently she was the ex-wife of uh, Mr. Jethro. Oh, he did oh. have a little love yeah. thing. And she got murdered. Yes, by the guy. We'll talk about it at the end. Yeah. So when he was reprimanded after getting in a fight with another soldier, who I'm sure was saying homo... Okay. I don't know why I post that as a question. It's not a question. He was reprimanded after getting in a fight with another soldier who I'm sure was saying homophobic things. But did he get reprimanded? This man hated Eric, but throws up when he hears he dies. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, so the guy, Riley, that's who yeah. he got in the fight with. And it was also one of the soldiers he, like, saved 
when he jumped yeah. on the and so when they gave him the notification he like immediately threw up which i found odd because usually when that happens and you're like well, these two people hated each other it probably I means thought, that he did it i thought it was odd too because like when they were telling him he kind of was too shocked by it yeah that's what i'm saying like it's almost like he threw up because he got yeah. caught like he was like what he's dead blah 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 and it, yeah he was just acting really suspicious well, if the gay guy saves your life, you realize you were wrong for being homophobic. So maybe that's what we need to cure the world of homophobia. Who knows? Apparently, Davis nominated him for the Medal of Honor a while ago, but the packet is missing. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, Vince has a right to be upset. And he's not wrong. So he was mad because the whole thing about the drugs got out and was ruining his nominations. And he went and yelled at Gibbs. And I was like, well, he's not wrong. Also, they never figured out how the press learned about the drugs. It was a small detail. They didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, plot hole. What? Who just says that to a woman who walks up to them for the first time? This is where we meet Doormat for the first time. Doormat had some balls. The hippie dude. The hippie Mm -hmm. dude. And that, they, Bishop, the woman, walks up and just starts saying random pickup line type things to her. And it was weird. They weren't even good. And who does that when a woman walks up with another man? That you've never met before, like, you've never met these people before. Shooters shoot, kids. Well, let me tell you, shooters do shoot, and he did shoot. At someone. Oh. (laughs) That was smooth. (laughs) Eric was attending Addiction Anonymous meetings and was seen arguing in the parking lot with a man. My theory, okay, this is my, this is where I just really killed it. You ready? My theory is it was the other guy he saved, and that guy was on drugs, and Eric took them away. That's why he had the drugs. That's right. I predicted that before the show told you. So the guy that reprimanded him. Is the homophobe who killed Eric's first Medal of Honor nomination because he hates gays. I think that's right, right? He just hates gays? Basically. Okay. And he was like, nope, gays can't get Medal of Honors. New rule. Made it up right now. Oh. (laughs) Not me. This guy. I'm pretending to be this guy. I know, but still... Well, that's what he said, and that's what he did. How do you use a pipe collection for creative purposes? Like he was saying that in the car. He was like, you should see my pipe collection. And, or you should see his pipe collection. And McGee's like, it's for creative purposes. What creative purposes? What, <laughs> cre- what do you creatively do with a pipe collection? Like a, like, like a weed pipe? Like a mall? They just said pipe. And I was like, obviously not. A-Rod, they are employees of the federal government. They don't smoke weed. 
You don't know that. It depends where they're at. You never know, man. Oh, man. I was so freaking close to my theory. For the third time, who is Diane? But now A-Rod has graciously answered who Diane is. Mm-hmm. Is Hollis going to die, too? Is this foreshadowing when she was in Gibbs' basement? And she was like, I'm not going anywhere. I can handle myself. I was like, usually when a character says that, they die. Yeah, that's true. And also, who walks into someone's basement? I'm not going down there. I don't care if you might be down there or not. I'm not going in your basement. <laughs> One minute. Bennett, you got to give me some personal space, man. He Back said, it up. He said, take me outside. <laughs> So I gotta go pee pee now. He doesn't need to go to the bathroom. He just wants attention. Matt, the doormat, is literally the worst human. Preying on those trying to recover from addiction at their most vulnerable time, it's disgusting. So the guy that works at the addiction place was also giving drugs to the addicts that were trying to get better. Oh, I did. as soon as I saw him, I knew he had something to do with it. He doesn't look trustworthy. And he's a disgusting human. And his whole personality is annoying. He looks like he tries to bang the hot addicts. Oh, no. He probably does. He probably takes advantage of all of those people just trying to get better. I got chills at Gibbs' speech to Vince. When he was talking about how they went to the statue and he was like, you need to help, you need to carry on his memory by helping those. Yeah, I didn't like that statue. Why did it have to be shirtless? I didn't pay close enough attention. I wonder if that's a real statue. It was shirtless and it was on his knee, like talking to a little kid. I said, I don't like that statue. Mm -hmm. I was like, you think they would have put him in uniform? I guess it has to be a real statue. I'm sure they didn't make a fake statue. Uh, now I have tears in my eyes as Vince talks to Riley. I was getting a little emotional. A little emo. That's the cheapest looking hospital room. Okay, so then they're all together in the, the hospital room because the baby was born and everything. Tell me that was not the cheapest looking hospital. It didn't even have like the wires and stuff on the walls. No machines. <laughs> NCIS really was like, ah, end of the episode, but we're past our budget. Let's just throw them in a white room on a gurney. Cheapest looking hospital room I've seen in a TV show. Now let's, let's commence on to the rest of our show. To the real true crime case that I found that shares similarities with this one. Are y'all ready to hear about the brutal murder of Alan R. Schindler Jr.? Schindler? Like Schindler's List? Similar last name, not the same people. Oh, okay, just curious. Yeah, same last name, not, no, no connection to Schindler's List. On October 27th, 1992, the USS Bellywood was docked in Sis. Sasebo, Japan. The next day would start its journey to the Philippines. 
So the sailors on board were ready to enjoy one last night out before having to be back at sea. So Sable was a common port. So not far from it is this area called Sailor's Town. Which is essentially like, it has like everything a sailor or person would need to have like a night out on the town. It has like bars, cheap drinks, karaoke, women, you know, food, like anything you would need. It was just one little area, essentially all for the sailors because it was such a big port uh, for the military specifically. A cook on the ship was one of these men who wanted one last night of freedom. So Jonathan Witt had a few drinks in Sailor's Town, then started heading back to base around 11.30 p.m. But as he was passing through a park, he decided to stop and use the public bathroom, which I was like, I mean, at that point, would you not just hold it and get on the ship and use a better bathroom? But maybe they didn't have better bathrooms. I'm really particular about the bathrooms I use. I probably would just pissed on the tree or something. I avoid park bathrooms at all costs. Yeah, they're pretty grody. I got right. Like in IRL or like, are you just no, 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 no. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I meant like if I was in a party, if I got poop or pee, man, I got I got a small bladder. I can't hold very long. Uh, I would. Yeah, I guess you. I guess it just depends how far he was. It's an I guess it's like on its way. From like I guess it's right in between Sailor's Town and the ship because a lot of like shipmates and sailors were walking yeah, yeah, yeah. back and forth. So he stops to go to the public bathroom, which I find disgusting, but we're actually really glad he did. Just before he entered the bathroom, he could see from the large frosted glass windows. Okay, so it's like one of those old types of windows where it was like the different square panels. And, like, you could see maybe shadows, but you couldn't really tell what was happening mm-hmm. through them. He could see men moving up and down inside and heard a oh, horrible no. gurgling noise. At first, he thought it was, like, people having sex. So, he went and got the shore patrol. Or maybe he thought they were having sex, so he decided... I can't remember if he thought they were having sex and then he, like... Yeah. And they thought they were having, uh, he thought. Uh, well, I guess you know. they were like, he, he heard noises. He heard noises um, and saw the men moving up and down. So he thought it was having sex and got closer and realized that it was two men beating up on one guy. And he ran over to the, like 200 yards to the, to the shore patrol. I don't know why that was so hard to say. Yelling, they're fucking him up. They're fucking him up. <laughs> That was a direct quote, quote, man. I would have been like, the fucking who? <laughs> so they're doing what? They're the fucking them up. They're fucking them up. The four of them running back to the bath. So the four of them ran running back to the bathroom. When they arrived back, the assistant had run off. Assistant? What am I saying? The assailants. The assailants had run off. Two of the patrolmen went on the hunt for them and try to like chase them down and Jonathan and the others stayed behind to help the victim. What they found in the bathroom would haunt Jonathan. There was blood everywhere. The victim was so badly beaten that they could barely tell he was human. 
I guess his head had been hit so hard against like the porcelain sink that it had broke the porcelain. As Jonathan helped perform life-saving me- measures, he noticed the tattoo of the USS Midway logo on the victim's arm, and he immediately knew who this was. It was his shipmate, a man he met two nights prior when they when that man bought Jonathan a beer. Radio man Alan R. Schindler Jr. Despite their best efforts, Alan died at 12.09 on October 28th. Two days later, an autopsy would reveal the brutality of the murder. Okay, warning for the listeners. You might want to skip like 30 seconds, a minute ahead, because I'm going to go through it. And I'm only going to go through it because I think it's important to like the rest of the case and the future. I think it, it kind of shows the mindset of the person who committed this this murder. So if you don't want to listen to this, it's kind of gross. Fast forward 30 seconds to a minute. Alan had eight broken ribs, fractures in the back of his head. The globes of his eyes had burst. His nose and upper jaw were broken. Essentially, parts of his face were just detached, hanging loose. There were bruises to his brain, lungs, and heart. They described his liver as like a tomato smushed up inside of its cover. The treadmark from the sneakers that did this were very apparent on his and stamped into his head and chest, and his Adam's apple was obliterated. What they came to like find out was that someone literally with two feet jumped on and on like on top of him and like yeah I mean all of parts of his body but uh, yeah crushed his his neck was one of them. The medical examiner described the injuries as one someone would sustain if they were stomped by a horse or in a high speed car chase. Damn. Dorothy Hages Clausen was having a quiet night at home when two sailors knocked on her door. Dorothy was not a stranger to military customs. Her father had served in the Navy and her first husband as well. And a side note, he survived the sinking of the USS Arizona during Pearl Harbor. Hmm. Crazy. She knew what it meant when two sailors showed up at your doorstep unexpectedly. They informed her Alan had been killed, though they didn't answer any of Dorothy's questions. She knew Alan wasn't in combat at the time, so how and why did he die? The sailor handed her a card and told her to call the number if she had questions. She called for three days straight with her calls going unanswered until she was finally put in touch with a naval officer who just said Alan was involved in a fistfight and two people were arrested. But this still didn't really answer Dorothy's question as to why her son was killed. Like, what was the fight about? How did it get so bad? Who were these two men? None. Silence. Then, in the early days of November, 
Alan's body arrived back home to Dorothy, the Navy had warned her not to open the casket. But Dorothy just had to see her son one last time. When she opened the casket, she saw Alan's mutilated body and knew the Navy was downplaying what happened to her son. She knew Alan was murdered. Alan Schindler Jr. was born on December 13, 1969 in Chicago Heights, Cook County, Illinois. Illinois. I don't know why I put the S. My bad. Illinois. Disrespectful. Sorry. I apologize to all those Illinoisans. He was the eldest son and third child out of Dorothy's four kids. They didn't grow up with much, but Dorothy worked hard in multiple jobs as a single mother of four kids. Alan was a fun-loving jokester growing up. Dorothy, okay, so I watched this, um, it's called the, the 1990s, The Deadliest Decade. It's like a little docu-series on Hulu, and a, every episode covers a different case in the 90s. Fun fact, I never, it never said, like, if, if the 1990s really were the deadliest decade. Hmm. I don't know if they just, that sounded like a cool title or not, but now I'm really curious. Is the 1990s the deadliest decade? Era. Can you find that for us? Find out what the deadliest decade was. It's going to be something like centered either around, it's probably going to be centered around World War II, whatever decade that was in. All right, let me look it up. Sorry, I was eating popcorn. In America or in history? America. Anyway, so I watched this that covers it. So Dorothy in it told this story about how Alan loved animals. And so one day to mess with her, he brought snakes into the home. I would not personally think that was funny. I was like, this is a joke. This isn't a joke. He brought live snakes into the house. I hate snakes. I killed a snake the other day at Welcome Week with my knife. What kind of snake? A rattlesnake. <gasps> They're the worst ones. So you got that close with your knife? Did you throw it at it? No. I'm not I'm not Indiana Jones. I can't throw knives like that. Well, you I got throw... that close to it? It wasn't like a super big one. I shoot. I had to shoot it like away with my hat, and then I stepped on the head and cut the body off. What if it bit you through your shoe? Well, then I would have just been bit through my shoe, I guess. He would need someone to suck his toe. <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> You're supposed to suck the venom out. No, not for snakes. <laughs> someone to suck my toe. <laughs> but I looked up what was the deadliest decade in America. Apparently, it is, is, what do y'all think it is? Mm, the 1970s. I think Ooh. the 2000s because of of 9/11. Malik was calling it 1980s. See, that's what that's I was thinking when I was like, I feel like you hear most of the true crime stories through the 80s, and that's where all the major serial killers were. Yep, 1980s. That's when the war on drugs really started. America is one of the biggest. It had one of the biggest crime waves ever, from the yuppie murderers to the preppy murderers. That's what it says on Google. Hmm. I've heard of the preppy. I haven't heard of the Yelpy. But anyways, yeah, so there's no... This whole show's a lie. 
The 1990s is not the deadliest decade. But back to our story. So Alan's just this, like, fun-loving jokester. When he turned 18 and graduated high school, he had a sense of adventure. So like the men previously in his family, he joined the Navy, and this made Dorothy proud. Their bond did not falter when he was away. He called his mom at least once a week and told her about his adventures in Hawaii, Australia, and Japan. In January of 1991, he told her how excited he was that he was assigned to the USS Midway, one of the most prestigious ships in the U.S. fleet. He loved his job and everything about being on the Midway, so much so he got the tattoo to commemorate it. However, at the end of 1991, the Midway was decommissioned and Allen was transferred to the Bellywood. This ship had the opposite reputation as the Midway. So the Bellywood was basically like if you had a ship which is with a bunch of frat guys and no beer women. So, so, so a bunch of a-holes and a little sausage fest. That's, that's like, that sounds like it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it was unruly and wild. In fact, all of... In fact, Alan referred to the ship as the Heliwood. He was often harassed on the ship. Shipmates would purposefully dump and dump, would purposefully bump into him or shove him while walking down the corridor. They did that early 2000s thing where you fake like you pretend to accidentally dump food on someone, but you're purposefully dumping food on someone. In the cafeteria, you know, that early 2000s rom-com thing. Yeah. Why, might you ask, were they picking on Alan? Because Alan was a gay man in the time that gays were banned from the military. Alan reported the harassment up the chain of command, even citing an instant where a shipmate said, there's a, the F slur on this ship and he should die oh (laughs) but this fell on death ears in his calls to dorothy she could tell he wasn't happy but she never knew what and he would never say what was bothering him about a month before his murder alan tried to request the meeting with the captain Presumably to report their harassment or request discharge, but he was denied the meeting. And so, you know what he does? Tell us, Kins. He goes back to his jokester ways. In desperation, he took his fate into his own hands. As a radio man... He sent out a prank message. He transmitted QT2BSTR8 to a vast majority of the Pacific Fleet. And this translated to too cute to be straight. Mm, Okay. 
this immediately got him in trouble for sending out an unauthorized message. And by protocol, this automatically got him an audience with the captain, Captain Jug- Douglas J. Brad, which is called a captain's mast. I'm learning. And it's a type of disciplinary hearing. I learned a lot about the Navy researching this. A lot of terms. So what I'm hearing, you're joining the Navy. No. No. Sorry. You, you enlisted? No, I didn't enlist. I just learned a lot about them. I really know nothing about the military. So I felt like I was learning a lot. A lot of the lingo. Like captain's mast. Alan made a request to have a private hearing, private captain's match, which she was like in his full right to do. That could happen. But it was denied and somewhere between 200 and 300 sailors showed up. One of the men in attendance was Terry M. Helvey. This hearing basically unofficially outed Allen and made him more of an open target on the ship. Men like Terry Helvey saw this as being allowed to harass Allen without fear of consequences. And boy, Terry did. At his wits end, Allen went to the captain on September 24th Fourth and was basically like, look, man, I'm gay. <laughs> Which is my words. I'm sure that was a little bit more formal than that. But he he declared himself gay and requested a discharge. Alan called Dorothy and told her that he was working with the ship's lawyer and he would be discharged at home before Christmas. Dorothy was shocked by this, but Alan didn't explain any more than that. He didn't explain why. She's going to be home before Christmas. No mom's going to complain about that. Also, I did mention that, like, gays were not allowed in the military, right? Like, if they found out you were gay, it was automatic dismissal. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Just to make sure we're all clear. Also, we're in the 1990s, so, you know, not that long ago. Then, of course, that faithful nine in October took place before he could make it home for Christmas. Okay, so where we left off is that Dorothy knew her son had been murdered and the Navy was keeping her in the dark. She started sending letters to everyone, her senator, any senator, even the president-elect Bill Clinton, because this was all happening. He died on October 28th. 1992, President Clinton was elected November 12th, 1992. This is important, and we will discuss why later. But Bill Clinton plays an important role in this story. So she's sending letters to everyone. Of course, nothing comes of the letters. But at the same time, there was a letter that arrived at the independent military newspaper, the Pacific Stars and Stripes, that carried all of the answers everyone was looking for. While docked in Sasebo, 
Alan had become good friends with three workers in Sailortown. They weren't part of the military. They just lived and worked there. And Alan was friends with them. Alan had shared with them the harassment he had been facing on the Bellywood. They knew why Alan was murdered that night. And they were furious the Navy was trying to cover it up. So they sent a letter to all the newspapers and publications saying, quote, the reason for the murder was reported by the Navy as, quote, a difference of opinion and not the grievous crime of gay bashing that it was. Why should the death of an admitted homosexual be swept under the carpet by the U.S. Navy? Why does the U.S. military get away with discrimination? Mic drop. Okay, so what do y'all think so far? I was waiting to hear what Bill does. That's my well, opinion. I will say that Bill, one of his major campaign points was that he was going to end the ban on gays in the military. That's one of the things he campaigned on. Does when he speak specifically on this ordeal? No. But a lot of people think this ordeal is linked to what he does next. What does he do next, Kins? That's what I'm waiting on. Does he what? I'm trying. I'm waiting on what he does next. I want to know. Hard Mexicans. Like, yeah, I is? did too. I was like, what does Mexicans have to do with this? Oh, I don't know. Maybe he's going to do something for the Mexicans. I don't know, Kins. <laughs> just keep going. Keep going. Okay, okay. I'll just keep going. <laughs> Rick Rogers at the Stars and Stripes received this letter and knew all of his questions had been answered. He had tried to follow this case ever since the Navy released a vague statement about a sailor dying on base, which he took as odd. So the statement basically was like, yeah, there was an incident and someone died. Did not go into any details. And Rick, in this documentary episode, he was basically saying, that's weird. Usually when someone dies on base, there's all these details. There's this long press statement. Like, there's an explanation for them to say. And it, it doesn't happen often. It's not often that someone dies on base. So for someone to die on base and then them just be like, yeah, and it happened. He was like, it was weird. So he's trying to get answers. He's trying to figure out why the Navy's trying to be so sketchy. When he heard two shipmates had been involved... He asked if he could attend the court-martial, which is basically the trial for the military, another term yeah. I learned. You didn't know what the court-martial was? No, I told you I didn't know anything about the military. Mm-hmm. And is open to the public and the press. His request was granted. They said, yeah, sure, come and watch if that's what you want. I mean, it's, like, common for it to be public to the open in the press. It's not weird. They usually are. He, his, so he, his request was granted, and he was told that he would be informed of the dates and the details. Mm, After, let me guess. He wasn't. No. No! <laughs> okay, so now we're going to jump over to this other storyline. After running from the bathroom, covered in blood, Terry Helvey and Charles Vince sat down by the Sasebo River to come up with a plan for how to get back on the ship undetected, you know, without blood. Like, they're covered in blood. They're like, how are we going to get back on the ship without anyone asking us questions? 
what they didn't know is that they had already been identified by another shipmate that had seen them run from the bathroom. That's why I think this bathroom might have, must have just been on the way. Because what really happened was that Helvey and Vince were in the park drinking that night. And they were drinking a lot. They were very drunk. And they saw Alan was coming back from Sailor's Town back to the ship. They saw him walk into the bathroom and do the same thing Wit did in the beginning to use the bathroom before he got back on the ship. And they followed him into the bathroom and attacked him. So that's why I think this this bathroom must have been on the way, a very common way. There's people coming and going the whole time. That's what it sounds like. Another shipmate walking through the park had seen them run out of that bathroom. When they tried to get back on the ship, they were stopped by Shore Patrol. Who asked them for identification if they had and if they had been in the park? Helvey fled the scene. He ran, but he came back to help Vince Vince fight off the shore patrol. And the two fled again to a residential area. This time, Helvey decided, since they were basically caught, they they would say that Alan made a pass at him, which set him off. So after sneaking back on base around 6 a.m., Terry was taken to the Master of Arm. Don't know who that is, but he sounds pretty important. When he passed the general, he made a comment of, quote, I didn't mean to do it, but the bastard deserved it. Oh, no. So obviously he is very remorseful and very apologetic for his actions. You can't say that one. Vince was also taken in, and on no, and on November 23rd, he was court-martialed without the public press and Dorothy knowing. So this is like the thing that Rick Rogers, the reporter, wanted to go to, and then the nanny were just like, didn't tell anyone this was happening and just did it. And you want to hear why they just did it? So why? Vince had accepted a plea bargain where the maximum he would serve would be, do you want to take a guess? What's the maximum he would serve in this plea bargain? Um, six months. Malik? Mm, a year. Four months. Wow. You're close. For lesser charges, and in return, he would testify against Helvie. By their own accounts, Vince kicked Alan two or three times, but then Helvey told him to stop because he wanted to handle Alan himself. Vince served. How many days do you think he served? Um, 27 days. No. 14 days. Okay, well, it's 78 days. Come on, guys. We're not that bad. Hey, man, you said days. 78 <laughs> days. That's, so that's what? Like two, two three months? months? When you say two. days, I assume you mean less than a month. It's probably like two and a yeah. half months, somewhere around there. Yeah, you should have just said months if it's over 30 days. Listen, this was what was reported. I'm just communicating to you what I read. No, you well. said it was up for failure. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we don't Trick like question. answering your pop quizzes. Questions, yeah, these trick questions. Next, yeah. 
So he, he served for 78 days, like two and a half months, for killing someone, for participating in a murder. And then received a general discharge, which is also ridiculous that he didn't even get a dishonorable discharge. Discharge. That's, That's crazy. The system, man. I read that and I was like, what do you have to do to get a dishonorable discharge then? I don't know. I thought they gave those out a lot, but I guess not. For what? An honorable discharge? Dishonorable. Dishonorable. Theories are is that the military didn't tell anyone that this was going down because they were basically giving Vince a pretty sweet deal. And I think you're supposed to, like, I feel, I may be wrong, but I think in, like, the American court, you're supposed to, when you come up with the plea as a part prosecutor, you then have to go talk to the victim or the victim's family on, hey, are you okay with this plea? Or most of the time they do to make sure that the family feels like they're receiving the justice that they think they deserve. So they never went to Dorothy about it. Yeah, and asked her. And and we'll get into, like, when she found out she was not happy. And I don't blame her because I'm sure she would have said no. Anyone would have said no. So, you receive a a dishonorable discharge uh, if you're in the service and you commit some type of felony level offense. So, he must have, those lesser charges must have not been felony, but, I mean, he was, the whole, he was a part of a felony. Yeah. Yeah. He should have been dishonorable discharge. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. On December 6th, Rick called Dorothy to see if she could corroborate. So he still has this letter. So he calls Dorothy to to see if she could corroborate the letter the three friends had sent. During this phone call, Rick was the one that filled in all of the blanks that Dorothy had. Rick was the one that told Dorothy Alan was killed by his shipmates. She had no idea that it was his shipmates that killed. He, she just knew two men. She didn't know what that meant. Like civilians. Who? Shipmates. So that's when she found out. And then she put it together that they knew the Navy knew it was the shipmates when they arrived on her doorstep. They immediately knew that it was shipmates and they still didn't say anything to her. They've known the whole time and didn't tell her it was, her, it was the shipmates. Rick was also the one that told her that Vince had already been court-martialed and got a sweet deal. And that also pissed her off, which rightfully so, that they put one away without her even knowing and made this plea deal. Dorothy was furious, but asked to the question if her son was gay. At first, she denied it. Which, if you don't know, if you don't already know, and someone comes to you and it's like, your son's gay. Is your son gay? I'm sure you would say. <laughs> no, I mean. I don't know. She, yeah, he, she had said in this documentary that he had, like, dated girls in high school and been on dates with women so she said no and i don't think it's coming from a place of like not my son my son can i just i think it took her aback she just didn't know and she didn't have any reason to believe 
Rick published his story about the motive being homophobia anyways, and it caught the nation's attention and the, na- and the attention of Mike Petrellis, a gay activist who was a founding member of Queer Nation, a gay rights organization. Which is funny because last episode we also talked about Queer Nation, but I think these are two different Queer Nations. So this one's a gay rights organization, and the other one was uh, the website that Chris Cooper had made for like gay comics centered around LGBTQIA characters. But just like what a coincidence that Queer Nation, the term came up twice in two episodes. He tried to call the Pentagon, so Mike Petrellis, the activist, tried to call the Pentagon to get answers and then called Dorothy to ask if she would like his help to get justice for Alan. Again, she denied he was gay. Because, again, like, why, like, you don't know for certain. You can't ask him. It's all a shock, I'm sure. But in 1993, that changed when the Navy finally sent her Alan's belongings, belongings, which included his journal. And that pretty much detailed it all. It gave Dorothy all the answers. Let him know who he let her know who he truly was. So armed with the truth, Dorothy, Mike and Rick traveled to Japan in May to attend Helvey's trial. They were like, oh, no, no, no. You're not going through another court martial without us in attendance. We're not doing this round two. At his trial, Helvey denied he killed Alan because he was gay. However, when Navy investigator Kenan F. Privet testified, he said Heavily told him, quote, I hate homosexuals. I'm disgusted by them. And, quote, I don't regret. I don't regret it. I do it again. He deserved it. End quote. There's a lot of, a lot of hate going on in these Yeah. So clearly, we all just get along. That's what I'm saying. Clearly, he's very remorseful, and he he regrets what he does. Yeah. Okay. That was my inter- interpretation. So remorseful. <laughs> Helvey's defense was basically the alcohol and the steroids made me do it. Defense. I was drunk. I'm on steroids. And when you're drunk and on steroids, it makes you kill gays. I can't help it. It's a side effect. Read the bottle. Oh, no. That was his defense. And they the they read the bottle. I don't know if there's a jury jury or what, but whoever determines his face read read the bottle and was like, no, no, no. This does not say that you will kill gays if you drink alcohol and take steroids. So that's how they came to the conclusion that this defense was bullshit and he was sentenced to life in prison. And he got a dishonorable discharge. There we go. Which, like, how can you not? He's in jail for life. What are you going to be? What are you going to say in general discharge for this man? Helvey did read 
a statement to Dorothy that apologized and was somewhat along the lines of, if I could go back in time and fix it, I would. What do you think of that? Nope. Too late for that, buddy. Yeah, the documentary did say, you know, they could tell that he did regret or, like, show not remorse, but just was upset about the situation. Here's the thing. I didn't watch it, so I can't say, but was he upset that he, like, did he really regret what he did mm-hmm. in killing Alan, or was he upset about the consequences that he was getting? He's upset that he got caught. That's yeah. why he's upset. Yeah, he's not, he's not, I mean, the court makes people do this a lot. Like, hey, you're going to prison and you have to apologize. To me, a for like that doesn't that doesn't feel like a genuine genuine apology. Yeah, I don't want your apology after kill someone that I know or something. And they beat him up. They were drunk. So usually, you know, when people say when people are drunk, the truth comes out. Oh, I don't think yeah. it was. I don't even think he had to be drunk. I think he was sober and like openly homophobic. That's what I'm saying. But either they try to blame it on the alcohol, right? Right. But I told you they read the bottle because Alan had said that the bottle has said side effects were could kill gays. But then the jury read the bottle and the bottle didn't say that, you know? Yeah. I he's not he doesn't regret Malik you're muted. Yeah. Um he doesn't regret beating up I think he just regrets that he didn't cover his base, his tracks. Yeah, or he's like, Man, I shouldn't have killed him, but I should have still beat him up really good. Right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh maybe I shouldn't have gone that far. Just can continue to harass him. Maybe beat yeah. him up a little, but shouldn't have gone that far. Mm-hmm. Malik, what were you saying? Oh, I, what was I saying? Oh, I said that's an interesting thing that to say that's on a bottle. Oh, that was just me. It's not actually on a bottle. That was my oh, terminology. I thought he, I thought he said that. Shit oh, before. okay. I thought you were saying he really said that. I was like, oh, that's no interesting that, defense for yourself. No, his defense was the alcohol and steroids. Like the alcohol and the steroids made me do it, and I was just being a smartass, saying like, oh yeah, obviously a side effect is of alcohol and steroids is to kill gay people. Oh. Oh, um, because sense. it's not. It's it's just it's just sarcasm. So for anyone listening out there, my level of sarcasm is very dry to the point it makes you believe. <laughs> it seems real. I'm sorry. But you'll get a, as as more episodes as you listen to, you'll get more used to it and you'll be able to tell when I'm joking. Yeah, there was no bottle. There was it was it's all fake. I was just being funny he just said the alcohol and steroids did it hate to see it feel bad for the mom yeah but we're not done oh there's more one thing i kind of glossed over was that alan's murder took place in a pivotal time period for legislation on gays in the military so like i said you know, President Clinton was elected during this time. He campaigned 
on one of his campaign points was that he was going to end the band of gays in the military. The gays would be able to be in the military. However, in July of 1993, a few months after Alan or after Helvey's trial, President Clinton announced that don't ask, don't tell policy. Have y'all heard about this? I was actually looking up in the early. I was looking up something early and that popped up. Yeah, I I had heard this term, but I didn't, and I knew it had. Like it was in regards to like gays in the military, but I didn't really know what it meant. It meant gays were allowed to serve in the military and the government wouldn't ask about their sexuality. So it was kind of like this compromise. Basically, his like chief part, one of his cabinet members was like, listen, military people really don't want gay people. Like, we don't know how well it's going to go over. Have you in this band? And one guy was in the back going, homosexuality is not compatible with the military, which I don't know what that means. Yeah. So this was his compromise. He was like, so this this chief person, whatever, was like, you know, if you really wanted to do something, we just won't ask them what their what their sexuality is, which I'm sure was not stopping anyone, because I'm sure you had people like Alan or others that just a lot i mean but that's also not like, someone you can that's not something you you can just look what, at someone and be like yep that's a gay can't let them what is in. your what does your sexuality have to do with the military like nothing. what does that have to do nothing. with shooting a gun protecting the country it has nothing to do with it no it has nothing so the lgbt okay i wrote in my script lgbtq plus community However, at this time, we're only talking about gays, lesbians, and bisexuals. Trans came up way, way later. Mm -hmm. So at this time, it was essentially fighting for gays. Not in in conversation, but in conversation in the military. Trans rights in the military was kind of a conversation after gays, lesbians, and bisexuals kind of got their push in the military. Okay, so gays, lesbians, bisexuals could not openly talk about their sexuality. So the government wouldn't ask, but they also said, mm, you, you got to still be closeted, though. We can't have you not, like, talking about it. We won't ask. You don't talk. Everyone's happy. Gay right activists were not happy about this. The policy really did nothing to change the military culture surrounding homosexuality. Instead of openly accepting gays, lesbians, and bisexual members, it basically said it's fine as long as you don't talk about it or be yourself because then it will be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so people were not happy. This wasn't, this didn't, it's the same thing as what was happening before, except they were like, we won't ask. Yeah, I'm trying to put a band aid on it. Right, it made it sound like it was doing a lot more than it really was. And also, there were people that were saying it's more dangerous for these members, these LGBT members, to be closeted than it is to just be out. It makes them more of a target. It seems more heinous than it really is. It's more dangerous. 
there were protests and events against the policy, and at these, Alan became an accidental martyr because they happened so close to each other, and Dorothy became an unofficial spokesperson at many of these events, a position she never dreamed she would be in, but was happy to do it if it meant saving another mother's child. In 2015, Mike Petrellis filed a Freedom of Information Act regarding Allen's case and he and was granted access to a 900-page report. The report stated that when shipmates reported their harassment against Allen, their sexuality was then investigated and further mistakes the military had made leading up and after Allen's murder. So essentially, there's this other piece of this of, was there a Navy cover-up? surrounding Allen's murder. Why wasn't the press allowed at Vince's trial? And the mil- the Navy was basically like, it was a it was a clerical mistake. We just forgot to let you know. And people are like, mm, is it really or were you trying to cover something up here? Were you trying to cover up this murder the whole time? Why didn't you tell Dorothy? Why weren't you upfront about it in the beginning? Were you trying to cover up the... Because Alan had made so many complaints about harassment regarding his sexuality to his command and nothing was done. So were they trying to protect those higher up officials who should have done something before it got to this point? Yes. It's a no-brainer. Right. So that's what he was looking for in requesting this report, this 900-page report, was hoping to show some of that, show that there was a cover-up, show that the Navy should have done more. And it did. It did somewhat. Basically, anyone on the ship that saw the harassment and that reported it, reported the harassment to – let me say this again. Anyone on the ship that saw the harassment being done to Alan and reported it on Alan's behalf, they were like, well, are you gay? Why do you care? Are you gay? And they investigated their sexuality. Yeah. In 2011, President Barack Obama overturned the don't ask, don't tell policy, making Mm -hmm. it acceptable for gay, lesbian, and bisexuals to be open and in the military. And that is the story of the brutal murder of Alan R. Schindler Jr. Did y'all know from 19... So when Clinton made that don't ask, don't tell to 2008, 12,000 people were discharged um, from the military because they came out public about their sexuality. I didn't know that because I think we read the same article. We probably did, but... (laughs) (laughs) crazy yeah it is crazy because what does that have to do with your ability to serve yeah like does it affect you running does it affect you what you're shooting would like what does it affect you with like i don't understand and that's like a lot of these people that have a problem with with lgbt the lgbtq community with trans with drag queen like if that's if if that's your not your thing then you don't have to go to the drag shows why are you so bothered by what other people are doing Mm -hmm. what does it Um, affect you like how does it affect you personally yeah 
I'm big on do what makes you happy in life. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're not hurting anyone else. Yep. Mm -hmm. Good story, Kins. You got me. Good story. Yeah. Brought us back to life from the from the last story. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Similarities and differences to the NCIS episode. Well, there was a lot left out once again. Well, there was a gay soldier. Yeah, but that's probably the only thing, really. Well, for a while they thought he was murdered because he was gay. Yeah, but then it turned out to be drug-related. Yes, yes, yes. There was no doorman that killed him. No. Doormat yeah. didn't. I like this I like the actual story than the episode. Thank you, thank you. I, I, I agree. I agree. I like the actual story yeah. better. Because I ain't gonna lie, that story got my blood boiling. The one I just told. <laughs> yeah. I mean that just okay, so the reason that I talked about how all of his injuries he sustained was because how much hate do you have to have for a person to go that far? Yeah. To just beat and them like, up and just attack them with such force and anger that the medical examiner thought he, they were in a high-speed car chase, that yeah. they couldn't believe another person had done this. I mean, that just shows and the amount of hate he had for him, just because he was gay. There's people out there who use their excuse, oh, it was a different time back then. This and that. And I was like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, Well, also, this was, was like, the 90s. It wasn't that long yeah. ago. I like, know, the I'm AIDS just... epidemic had already happened. Like, it was becoming more acceptable. And yeah, the amount of hate that, had, that he had to be harboring just towards any, I mean, anyone that was almost, like, wasn't the same as him. Yeah. yeah. This is what happens when you put a bunch bunch of frat guys on a ship. Don't don't talk mess about frat guys all the time, Kenzie. I'm it's, it's hard because I don't really look at y'all as frat guys. See, we're not all bad. No, you're not we're, all bad. No, they people at work say, yeah, we can tell you're a frat guy. Really? Yeah. People Maybe I've just known y'all too long. All right, y'all ready to talk about the episode we're watching for next week? Yeah, let me guess. Let me guess. Have we seen this show before? Yes. Uh, hmm. Was it a recent show? or? I'm not playing uh, 20 questions. You just got to guess. <laughs> it's not NCIS is it? again, is it? Hawaii Five O. Hawaii Five O. No, Malik. The original Law and Order. No, are y'all just gonna guess the exact same things every time? Okay. Did I guess that last time? It's yeah, Bones. Yeah, last time A Rod guessed Hawaii Five O, and you guessed the original Law and Order, and it's okay. still no. It's Criminal Minds, the best one. <laughs> We're watching Criminal Minds season ten, episode six. If the shoe fits. Oh, let me look up where we can find Criminal Minds on. You can find it on Hulu or... Okay, I'm going to see. Paramount, I think. And also, listeners, 
throw in, give us a question to ask next week. Malik's running out of questions to ask. So we want to hear a question from y'all. It doesn't matter. We're open book. Ask us anything. But understand that my parents listen to it, too. So it might have to be censored a little bit. But we are open book. Yep. And like, subscribe, follow, rate and review. Rate and review are so important. It's how we get other followers. It's how we become noticed. Even if you hate us, you can write, they suck. And they'll still help us. So I don't know if you really hate us, don't do that. But follow us on social media. I make TikToks now. It's becoming a lot easier. It doesn't take me three hours anymore. Shout out to our overseas listeners. Appreciate Australia. Yeah. Italy. Ooh, we big in Italy, boy. Yeah, let me let me read them out. I have them. Oh, you want to fly us out to Australia or Italy? Go ahead. You know, I, I was thinking. I saw today or yesterday or something that there's Law and Order UK. I was like, man, I should probably put them on the list so we got UK listeners. So we can get to UK listeners. Oh, yeah. Let's go to the UK. Let's go to Italy somewhere. And let's do a podcast together at one of those places. Oh, and Slovakia. French, Slovakia, Italy, Indonesia, India, Germany, Croatia, Belgium, and Australia. Damn, those are all the places we're going to listen to? Yeah, we're international. Oh, look at that. And with that, I'm your host, Kenzie Huseman. This is Crime on Prime Time, and we are signing off. Deuces. Waiter.